Hello and welcome to the 14th instalment of the Extra Canon podcast. It's a good day today. Uh, we're recording uh, shortly after the news of Kieran Tierney's uh, renewal of his contract with Arsenal. He's uh, signed a five-year deal with the club, uh, reported to be on £110,000 a week, which is uh, not too much considering how uh, pivotal he is to his team and his talent. Cons- yeah. Well, overall, just he's one of the best left backs in the world, and he's ours for a, another five years, which you love to see. Anyway, uh, I'm sure I'll get the guys' thoughts on it imminently, but but first of all, I, I need to introduce them. Uh, firstly, it's the man who always joins me on this show, the Extra Cannon Podcast. It's Mac Johnson. Mac, how are we doing? Doing all right, you know. Um, it's I'm just excited. We're paying Tierney, I believe, and I'm pulling up my little wage spreadsheet now because yeah i have one of those um we are paying <laughs> tierney the same wage that we were paying hector bellerin and 5k a week more than we are paying sad kolasinac so pretty good deal mm. i think pretty pretty good deal i'm excited for that mm. yeah it's just a pretty basic first choice uh fullback wage it yeah. seems at arsenal so uh, happy about it and that's what both, well, Kolasinac was supposed to be that. He never was. Unfortunately. Uh, and Bellerin is, of course, our right back. Uh, remains to be seen for how much longer that will be the case. Um, our second guest is um, the man who wasn't on the main show. Uh, you know, he's just too busy for that. He's above it. Um, <laughs> but he is back in his end. It's the lovely local London lad. It's Alfie Culshaw. Alf, how are we doing? What are you saying, lads? Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure. I have to uh, make up for my absence on the main show with my, I think it's my third appearance on the Extra Cannon podcast, which again, it's, you mm. know, it's always a pleasure to dip in, you know, as the star for the little side, yeah. side B-Tech show. Um, what did you call yourself on the group chat the other day? The Mbappe of Yeah, I'm of, the star the boy. You guys are like <laughs> the likes of Di Maria, Draxler, um, Danilo Pereira. Um, yeah, that's what you called Mac. Harsh. Hey, it yeah. was it, it was self-titled. There's no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was self-titled, but you know, you were all thinking it. Um, but it's a pleasure, <laughs> and it's a great day. And yeah, I'm I'm back in ends. So come on, I'm no longer the bumptious Brighton boy. I've never liked that. No, that um, <laughs> that coin. That's not that's not right, is it? <laughs> um, yeah, we saying lads. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good. Thanks for sort of asking. I mean, I know it's what you say every time you come on, but but thanks. Um, okay, just before we get into it, Mac, uh, Tierney five year contract. As I said at the top of the show, thoughts. Um, I mean, there's nothing other than delight. It's it's amazing. Can't wait to mm. see him in an Arsenal shirt for another five years. Um, yeah, one down, one to go for this summer. Obviously, we want to get a Rob Holding on that. No, I'm joking. Uh, Emil Smithrow is the player <laughs> who we do need to tie down. Although, hey, I wouldn't complain about Holding, although his you know, services for the team may be rivaled soon. Spoiler alert, we might talk about that today. But yeah, no, I'm just, I'm super happy. Yeah. Well, he did sign a new contract a few Indeed months ago, did. didn't he? So um, no need for that renewal at the moment. But uh, yeah, it's good that the club have got Tierney sorted nice and quickly. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure Smith Rowe will be on the agenda soon. Um, sort of Emil Smith Rowe's uh, fellow star at Arsenal last season was, of course, Bakayo Saka, who performed brilliantly for England, collecting the Man of the Match award a few days ago against. 
the Czech Republic. Alfie, what are your overall thoughts on uh, sort of England in the group stage? I guess it's been mixed reaction. Of course, we topped the group uh, one, two, drew, drew one, but the football was boring to say the least. How, how do you feel about uh, England's progression into the round of 16? I think England are just quite a functional side. They're not the most um, expansive or exciting. And I think that's partly down to Southgate's um, management style and how he's, he's very mm. pragmatic, very cautious. Um, but I think, I think for me, I looked at it as we weren't brilliant, but we were sort of stable against yeah. Croatia. And everyone was sort of delighted and sort of overreacting a bit because we won. We got the result. Mm. Then we weren't brilliant, but we weren't... Well, we weren't... Sorry, we weren't terrible, but we weren't as bad as everyone said against Scotland. Um, but we didn't get the results. So everyone said it was terrible. Um, mm. And then we were very good in the first half against Czech Republic, I thought, and then very bad in the second half. So I think... I think, as as you'd expect, the reactions were sort of exaggerated for the first two games in terms of how yeah. like, good and bad for each of them. Um, and then this third game, I think everyone sort of saw that we were good in the first half, terrible in the second half. I think the changes were necessary in that third game. I think we, I, I just thought the approach against Scotland in particular was very strange. I think, uh, and then some of the changes as well. Um, but just how yeah, cautious some the, of the fullbacks were, and the fact that yeah, he, yeah, he, he that, insisted that that. on that double pivot of Rice and Phillips throughout the game when we clearly just didn't need it. He could have bought mm. Mount a bit deeper and bought on an extra attacking player, um, but he never did. And then he he played Rashford as a as a number oh, nine for the final part of that, that game to watch. against a low block, something he just doesn't want to do. He wants to come off and get the ball. He likes to get on the ball when we had a target man and we could have played off in Calvert Lewin on the bench. That was strange. Um, but we went through, we've got a huge game against Germany. I mean, I think all the, you know, narrative is a big word in football, but this narrative is just insane. If you look at the 96, it's sort of the, it's a chance for revenge for Southgate, him missing that penalty, um, just yeah. England, Germany in general. Uh, and then also if you think back to the 2010 world cup, when we had the injustice of the Lampard goal, which was, go- which went over the line, yeah. which would have us yeah. got us back into that game. It's just it's just a massive game. I cannot wait. I've got a table at a fan park in central London. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's so, it. Yeah, I can't wait. Um obviously it'll be sat down and stuff, so it won't quite be the full experience you would have got in t- in twenty eighteen. But oh glorious, glorious. Yeah, that does sound absolutely fantastic. And I guess um Mac from a more neutral perspective I know you have been following England but um yeah, I follow everyone yeah um what you know Southgate has a plethora of attacking um quality at his disposal yet as yeah. I as I mentioned earlier the football's not particularly attractive I mean well what's been your sort of take on England what how do you think they'll perform against high caliber opposition on Tuesday night uh with Germany traveling to, traveling to Wembley. Just what have been, yeah, your just overall thoughts on the England games? I've enjoyed watching England just because, you know, their performances haven't been great, of course, but it's Southgate has put a stamp on this squad of his managerial style, which I think is interesting um, because it's something that we've not seen from him at any of the clubs he's managed before. I mean, he was relatively despicable at Middlesbrough. 
Hmm. Um, they finished what 13th, 16th, and then got relegated. And that was pretty much his managerial tenure before joining England. But, um, at the same time, I think it's interesting to think, you know, they are a team that is very good at scoring one goal, maybe two, and then shutting up shop. I mean, they have only scored literally two goals in the group stage. They've also conceded none. Um, Mm. And it's just, it'll be interesting to see. It's not that they're stodgy. It's not the right word. Um, But they're patient, they're collected. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, the England-Scotland is the historical rivalry because they're on the same, you know, they're they're on the same island. But at the same time, it's, I think, if you were to ask most England fans, it's just what I've been seeing a lot of on Twitter and everything. I think there isn't there aren't many England fans who believe there's a bigger bigger rivalry for England than Germany because of, as you've mentioned, the '96, the 2010, all of the, in a lot of pivotal moments, Germany and England have kind of come to blows. Um, mm. I know there's a lot of excitement Shout around world it. wars. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not to mention the world wars. We did forget those, but um, I don't know. It's just it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm very excited for the game, frankly, but in terms of specifically Saka's performance, uh, he is our only player in the England squad, but I had this funny thought during the game that he is incredibly used to being the bright spark in a side that plays slightly boring football. Yeah. You know, um, and they play it for two different reasons. Arteta has the vision, capital T, capital V, but doesn't have the players to execute it. Southgate's just a bit of a boring coach. Mm. You know, you spoke about the defensive fullbacks and the double pivot and, you know, good good on him for switching it up actually against the Czech Republic and doing something a little different, allowing his fullbacks to roam a little bit, bringing on um, Jude Bellingham for Declan Rice, actually allowing the midfield to exist a little bit more. But um, Mm. I don't know, it's just, it was interesting to watch England against Czech Republic see him switch things up and have frankly a very good first half uh, before the game just kind of went into a bit of kickball in the second but yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly but I think um, we've seen with this Germany team that they were stifled by a France team that didn't give them space played exceptionally well against a Portugal team that allowed them those pockets and were stifled by a Hungary team that didn't give them any space so if you're looking for a team with good defensive acumen that will stifle you around the edge of the 18-yard box, England might just be that team. Mm. So tactically, yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they pair up against I, each other. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm well, super I think, excited, frankly. I think he'll switch to a back three, and I think... Yeah, I was about to ask you that. Yeah. Who, do you th- who do you think starts in the back three, though? I think it's Walker, this is, Stones, this is a bit Maguire. Of raging. I was going to say the same, mm. although... You, do you think he'll play Tyrone Mings on the left? No. It's just a thought. If, if yep, Maguire's no, fit, w- w- he has to start. With Southgate is the question. Mm. I just think that um, credit to Mings, he was flawless yeah. in the two games that he played, mm. but he's really quite erratic. Um, but also, in terms of progressing yeah. the ball, he offers nowhere near what Maguire offers. Maguire no, can carry he, us out of defense. Yeah, that's true. Carrying ability, yeah. Mings is he played very a crazy pass. Did uh, Maguire to, yeah, to Kane, to Kane yeah. for that chance? Beautiful through the needle pass, and Tyrone Mings just yeah, can't do that. I, I do have one question though, in terms of that. If you play that back three, I think you're playing Stones through the middle. Um, 
and yeah. Maguire on the left. And do you think that restricts his ability to step into those spaces a little bit? No, I think Maguire because Maguire plays on the left of. I know it's a it's a bit different when it's a four. Yeah, when um, it's a two. United, but, but he's generally he he's very good at bringing the ball out from that sort of left space. Yeah, he um, is. yeah. Using right. this sort of opening it into his right foot into the middle of the pitch yeah. rather than letting it come across his body. Um, yeah, that's how way he does very well driving forward. Um, yeah, he does cause problems as well because no one picks up a centre back. It, it, it's no one's <laughs> that's very true. It's no one's sort of chore to Job. go man mark yeah. um, Harry Maguire. Mm. Yeah, uh, very, it'll be interesting similar, if we do play that system. If a German player is sort of told to do that, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll probably be Gnabry or Muller, if so, because Leroy Sané was horrific in their last game. Yeah, but I think. Um, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we sort of look after Gosens uh, at left wing back. I wouldn't central. be, yeah, it, I think, I, think... It, I wouldn't be averse to sort of planting a, a Trippier or a Reese no, James, James on him. Reese James has to start, and then um, sort of playing Saka at that right forward role because Saka's yeah. sort of used to playing that role with no help, <laughs> and, so... and also to tracking back. I mean, his defensive efforts yeah. against Czech Republic were amazing. He had like three yeah. clearances from right wing. Yeah, I just want to say on Southgate. I know we were sort of talking tactically there, but before the, the thing I do like about Southgate is sort of the the sort of off field stuff, the way he carries mm. himself as, as much as you can be frustrated about how his pragmatism. I think the way he speaks and the way he sort of acts as an ambassador for English football as the head coach of the national team, I think is very good. And also, I, I do quite like the way that he doesn't sort of bow down or fold to public opinion, albeit yeah. some of his decisions, like the, the lack of Jade and Sancho is like kind of mental. Um, if you think mm. of, he's going, he's about to move for what, 80 million to Manchester United and, and he was like, one of the best players in Europe in the last two seasons, um, and he's he can't get a look out. He got seven minutes or something for Czech, against Czech Republic. It's mental. Yeah, it was but more. in general, the way he doesn't sort of bow down to public opinion, and he and yeah, he like when he played Trippier at left back, that was mm. you know, it but it worked in that bit. game. Trippier yeah, was exactly. very yeah, good. It was really good progression on that side. I I do have one another question, I suppose, about Southgate. Um, is it possible that he's averse to Jaden Sancho because he is? more of a flair player. I mean, you look at players like Saka, like Foden, like Grealish, they're all flair players, but they'll also put in, you know, 10K of hard running every game, right? Yeah, but I wouldn't, they are I wouldn't say Jack place. Grealish is necessarily the hardest worker defensively, but I would I mean, say no, he's shown when, he, when he loses the ball. San, uh, Grealish as well at times. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, uh, and he probably I only he played because like Foden wasn't fit. Yeah, so do you think it's do you think it's an industry thing? Yeah. Do you think it's genuinely about industry for Southgate that he doesn't play these players because he wants to play the eleven that's going to absolutely bust their butts out on the field to really work the hardest, run those hard yards, play the defensive game and then go forwards. I mean I I just think that the the system is so sort of rigid and structured mm -hmm. that you can only really afford to have that one sort of flair player. So yeah. it, it's usually, uh, so at the moment we're seeing it, it's it's Jack Grealish. And I just don't know if Southgate's football is really suited to having, for instance, both Sancho and Grealish on the same pitch. Right. They're just uh, both so good. That's the thing. Yeah. But the thing it, is, you it, can't it, really it drop Sterling because I think Sterling is, I know he got a lot of criticism, particularly off the Scotland game, but 
he has scored our two goals, and I think he's yeah, he's, he's the only goal scorer. Important to the system and the way we play. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I think there are a lot of selection dilemmas. Um, yeah. One place where Southgate. Yeah, I was going to say, go for it. Yeah, I think Saka sort of has to start after his display. I think he probably mm-hmm. will. Um, but then if we do move to that 3 4 3, it will be that left forward role. That will be a really yeah. interesting one. He could uh, play as a left wing back. I think he'll be yeah, sure, but he could play that. Oh, yeah. Bukayo Saka versus Joshua Kimmich might be one of the most entertaining utility player battles we'll ever see. Hmm. Yeah. Because those are two players who can literally play anywhere on the field, I would mm. say, except yeah. like striker for Kimmich and center back for Saka. And <laughs> I don't know. That would be wonderful. Um, yeah, I just think the last thing I want to say about England is with Kane. He's the one place where Southgate hasn't really had any selection dilemma, but he's not being mm. used to score goals, which is entertaining to me. Yeah, he's, he's dropping know, way uh, too deep. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I get it for Spurs, but even yeah. for Spurs, he doesn't often drop as deep as he has done at exactly. England. But he has he has the relationship with Son, which allows him yeah. to do that. He doesn't have that. Maybe if you brought in a no Rashford, the top. it would work yeah. a bit more because um, he's someone who likes to get into that sort of left yeah. half space and make left those diagonal channel. runs. Yeah, and Sterling most, does it somewhat. Son esque, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, Sterling loves dropping, but also enjoys hugging the touchline. So it's, it's a rough mm. combo. And Sterling think, does yeah. sometimes like to come deeper and get in the ball as well. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, but in that kind of question, uh, Jose Mourinho actually raised the point of how many direct balls have been fed into Kane's feet for him to shoot. Like, giving it to him when he's up in that half space for him to turn and fire one at goal. That's just mm. not a part of England's tactical plan. Um and I, mm. you know, could that change if you want to elevate the goal scoring numbers? Could you get the ball inside quicker in some ways? Because England spend a lot of time creating on the wings. But could you genuinely just force feed the ball into the center if you're desperate for a goal? Like, is that mm. it's completely anti Southgate's tactics? Thing is, a lot of time he's coming that, deep you know, to pick yeah. it up. So he's not really there. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But he, he hasn't think, had um, enough shots. Definitely. He's had three big chances, I think. Yeah. He didn't take any yeah. of them. So. I think if you play the two uh, forwards either side of him, I think that, especially if you're playing like a Grealish and a Saka in those roles, yeah. Um, if you've got those two sort of driving inside, which they both love to do, I think that perhaps becomes more of a potentiality. But it's just not really England's style uh, to sort of fire the ball into his striker's feet. Uh, mm. And I agree with Alfie. I think it's on Kane as well. I think that he's just dropping far too deep he doesn't need yeah. to do it i don't even know if he's being instructed to do it i just think it's a symptom of the weird and wonderful role he played under Mourinho, and he might just take a while to shake it out of his game mind you he, he's always sort of been like that he, he's never been sort of a fox in the box he's always dropped deep uh but he's definitely he needs um over time particularly in the last year or two he's developed that more yeah. into his game but he needs to fight those sort of tendencies to to do that. Um, mm. Yeah, just he needs to get in the box because he's our greatest chance of scoring a goal, really, especially yeah. against the Germans. So, um, um, who yeah. are noticeably slow. To be fair, that's the yeah, one criticism yeah. of this German backline is that the double pivot of Cruz and actually, do you want to pivot to Germany because we technically have a player playing for them too, although he does look. 
I think I said in my article published this yeah. morning, he does, does look, look very, very handsome, handsome sitting on the bench. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Um, in terms of Germany, their biggest issue has come in between the midfield lines and the defense because, you know, Rüdiger, Hummels, and Matthias Ginter are all relatively immobile, very technically good, mm-hmm. but not fast. And Tony Cruz and Ilkay Gundogan do not offer them enough protection as a double pivot. So, pivoting, literally, what can England kind of do to exploit that? You know, where do we find that speed in the middle? Is it Mason Mount playing at as, as a number 10? Or is it bringing the three with the inverted driving runs of Saka and Grealish ahead of it? What do you think is the best solution there? Well, I don't or think do Mount's we pivot to the three back? Be fit. Oh, true. Or not fit. So I don't think he's going to be available because of the, yeah, because yeah, of yeah. the COVID restrictions. Yeah. Mm. That's ridiculous, by the way. I <laughs> yeah, I still I mean, find it ludicrous that it's been like, oh, testing yeah. negative. Yeah, and also the fact that Rudy, like, okay, if you're betting the Chelsea teammates as opposed to the Scotland teammates, fine. But why is Rudiger still playing? Like, what is? I don't mm. do 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 Billy, do Billy Gilmore, Mason Mountain, Ben Chilwell like share a hotel room during the off weeks? Like, are, no, are they can't. They, they the were saying place? it's because they're like embraced at full time after the Scotland oh. game, mm. and apparently yeah. that continued into the. Uh, into the tunnel. Um, Got it. Fair enough. That's but, yeah, a little bit. To whack, answer your but, yeah. question, I would say, I mean, there's potential for Grealish to do that because he's very mm-hmm. nimble, very agile. He can win fouls. He's too quick for potentially too quick for Gundogan and Kroos. Um, mm. And then yeah, the driving inside runners. If you're playing a back three, then you either have, well, yeah, you probably have two alongside Kane of Saka, Grealish, and Sterling. Probably, I don't think Sancho's going to come in. Unfortunately, no. So, like, it'll basically be those whoever plays in those two roles, or as a number ten, if you're playing four-two-three-one. Uh, yeah. Um. Actually, because yeah, I, I think one. that we'll sort of overrun that midfield regardless, because you know, I'm guessing it'll be Phillips and Rice again, and Phillips' his engine is just ridiculous, and mm. Rice isn't uh, sort of. I wouldn't describe him as a mobile defensive midfielder, but he's probably he's got more about him. mobile. He's pretty yeah. rangy, yeah. He's long. Yeah. Um, that, he plays that, a much more restricted role for England, though, than he plays for West, West Ham. Ham yeah. True, but um, that's because he doesn't have Thomas Socek alongside him. Mm. Yeah. Phillips yeah. gets a lot more license. I think that that is an area we can expose them. Although they're both very great, brilliant technically, neither yeah. of them are natural holding midfielders, really. No. Um, you know, Kroos is a deep-lying playmaker. Gundogan, this season anyway, has been sort of box-to-box player who mm. likes to get into the box and, and score goals. So that is an area we can definitely exploit with, you know, Rice and Phillips, their engines, um, and yeah. just increase mobility. And then whoever's playing ahead of them. And with Germany as well, just in terms tactically, um, what they've been doing is Kroos has almost been taking up this, like, deep-lying role with one of the centre-backs stepping up or Kimmich mm. tucking in. And then Gundogan yeah. will play like slightly ahead of them and literally just dart into spaces and offer one twos to open up the wings. It's clever and it, you know, lacks, it masks their lack of mobility, but at the same time, it's mm. still, it, I've watched a lot of Germany, so I, you know, I'm kind of all about it. Right well, now. It, like, it, yeah. From what I've gathered from watching the German games is that they're very good in the build up. Yep. Uh, and not but they just finishing. lack yeah lack the cutting edge yeah which is unsurprising when you see who their sort of forward options are other than perhaps nabry who yeah been a good finisher good score. for Bayern over the years but, but also, other than yeah. that you've got you've got Havertz and Werner uh 
well, Muller, I guess, is, is as good as they come. Uh, Not at the Euros, yeah, isn't? Yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, I think I yeah, you know, I think it'll be a really interesting game tactically. Yeah. But mm. I think that's enough of uh, England yeah. for the now. England we'll move on to. Podcast. Wait, can I just <laughs> yeah. say one more thing on England? Chris? Yeah, please do. All right. Have you heard? I don't know if you'd have. You probably wouldn't have, Mac. But have you heard the chant, Rob, um, about ten German bombers? Oh, oh yeah, no. it's so weird. <laughs> who's who's chanting about winning the war? Yeah, Seventeen no. years um, later, who gives a fuck? I mean, you that patriot. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird. America's just a weird chant I've heard. Like yeah. we I do. Just don't join in. I'm like, yeah. Oh. We shot some bombers down 70 years ago. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's great to see um, conservative Americans walking around with hats that say um, <laughs> basically like world champions of war two times because of World War oh One and God. Two. No, it's Put a thing. Two stars on the shirt. Yeah, oh my. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two extra stars on the flag. We already have 50. You don't need two more. But no. Um, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. We. I think our our country is still hung up in all of the wars we fight a little too much. But hey, yeah. off of politics, back on football. What's next? Yeah. Um, I was going to move on to talk a little bit about William Saliba now. Let's do it. Um, so, of course, there's been lots of conflicting reports in the build-up to preseason. But the main line from the reliable journos was that Saliba would return to Arsenal do preseason, do all he could to impress Arteta and then probably uh, stay at the club for next season or go on loan. All this has sort of been thrown into jeopardy now because Saliba has been uh, called up to the French Olympic squad. So he will not be at Arsenal for preseason. How damaging could this be for his hopes of being a long-term player at Arsenal, Alfie? Oh, just talking about Saliba's getting so draining. I it don't think we've got to, but it's like we've said so much about it. And it is, yeah, this is, I mean, this shouldn't be a massive thing because hmm. what I've been saying all along is, and I've, all about this preseason thing is, what more is Arteta going to learn about Saliba in a preseason than he hmm. can't have learned from, A, having had him in training for six months last season whilst he wasn't going when he wasn't out alone and he wasn't playing and then like last season's preseason, i know that basically wasn't a preseason, but you know the build up to the start of next of, of last season um and then also the the, the second loan spell at saint, saint etienne and then the loan spell at nice surely he's he's gathered enough from that and what what is pre-season going to show him now that's yeah. uh throwing a spanner in the works i mean I am with the white stuff. I am a little bit concerned for his future, um, and yeah, it's just we've just it's just an absolute mess, um, and it's it's just such a strange situation that we've created for ourselves. Yeah, I think you've pretty much covered it there. As you say, we talk about it almost every week, and you know it, it's just at the forefront at the moment because Arsenal are said to be. Uh, extremely close to uh, announcing the 50 million pound signing of of Ben White um Maka uh, in terms of what this sort of period at the Olympics could do to impact Saliba's chances how uh, yeah it just feels like it's going to be a, a bit de- detrimental for him um 
I mean, would you agree with that? The, the Olympics for football generally are odd. It's like, you know, mm. it's literally the rules are like you can play the kids and then have five quote like the actual term for it is overage players. Mm. Um, it's just an odd setup for me. I've I've never really enjoyed who watches watching it. As um, well, no, I th- I think it's people who like watch the Olympics and then it's like, oh, mm. this is the Olympic event the that's on today. Are... Yeah, let's just watch this. Yeah. Um. I'm all in on track and field this Olympics because I used to be a runner, so that's just me. But like, I don't know. I I will I will maybe be watching a game of Brazil because the Copa America has been poorly televised here. So I don't know. But um, well, we've got Martinelli and Gabriel there as well. Yeah, exactly. Which is also so very annoying. Which will suck. No, yeah. Martinelli didn't get called oh, up. What? Does he not? In what yeah, world? That's good then. Actually, to be fair. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, with he us. got he it's got called news. up for Copa America, so I understand, but. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I think for Saliba, it'll be, in some ways, another test. Um, I mean, think about it. It In terms of the test, uh, the boxes Arteta might want to check as a manager, right? Potentially not ready last season. Go on another loan. Succeed there. Okay, fine. What's the next test? He hasn't yet succeeded on the international stage. I, I think... Sending him to the Olympics, that you know, it could just be a bid to raise his price because remember, we did pay twenty five million for him. Um, yeah, but have we mm. sent him to the Olympics, or have France called him up? Well, France have called him yeah, up, but, but clubs it, it have comes to give club permission, to, yeah. and oh, I'm guessing that yeah, Arsenal, it, everything comes. With Arsenal club have does give him permission, which is just unbelievable. It's, so <laughs> the fact that you know, it is a calculated decision. Then Arteta wanted him for preseason; he now won't get him for preseason. It's the it's just a question of for me why has he done it, and I think there there has mm. to be some inkling in the back of his brain that it'll actually be good for him either because it'll raise his market value and make him easier to sell, or because it'll kind of get him more experience into a season where especially with Ben White coming in Ben White by the way, I think we we've spent so much time talking about the effects that Ben White will have on the team that we haven't talked much about Ben White obviously you did earlier in the week so I won't harp on it too much he's a really good player. Like he's a very, very mm. good player, and I'm excited to see him in an Arsenal shirt. But um, at the same time, I don't know. I just think Saliba at this point is two years into his Arsenal deal, and is is at a point where he needs to figure where Arteta needs to figure out, and he needs to figure out where his place in the squad is. And something tells me that these Olympics are potentially Arteta's way of saying I need basically more time to make this decision and to see how my squad's going to structure up. Um, yeah, that's mm. that is the best answer I have for you because honestly, I think it's it's a waste. It really is. Mm. Well, we're down well, to two, uh, three centre backs, yeah, including yeah. White for the start It'll of the season. It'll be White and Marie, I guess, and for holding. the first game of the season. White, Marie and Holding. So, options. But yeah. White will probably presumably get some time off before he comes straight. Oh back my to god! Yeah, good point. He's at the Euros. Well, Holding and Marie play well together. That's at least some <laughs> recompense. <laughs> Got Chambers oh, as well. Nah. Yeah. Well, true. Yeah, oh, Although true. I think with Gabrielle, Saliba, Holding, Marie, White, Chambers is a right back now. Like through and through a right back. Yeah. Especially after yeah. we sell Hector Bellerin and don't sign anyone well, to replace him. He can him. still cover there if need yeah, be. Yeah, no, you're right. Ugh. So complicated. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. complicated. Very sort of frustrating uh i don't think we should dwell on it any further we've talked about saliba (laughs) enough times um 
Well, in terms of like all the Arsenal stuff, I know we didn't talk about it for very long. I think that's pretty much all bases covered yeah. unless you guys want have any other sort of Arsenal I mean, news you'd want to sort of delve I don't into. Know, I, don't, I don't feel a pressing need to talk about Granite Jacker's hopes for Switzerland. Um, <laughs> yeah. Considering he's not going to be our player for much longer. Yeah. Most likely. You know, he's yeah. likely going to Roma, which... First of all, this is actually one thing I will say. You know what? No, I do have a topic on Granite Xhaka. Arsenal are revamping their transfer policy in terms of sales. Because we have a classic mm. history of, you know, selling Kieran Gibbs for ten pounds and getting six for him, right? Um but or, you know, ten million getting six. But like with Xhaka, the, he, we've actually set evaluation and are making Roma meet it, and they will. But, you know, at the same time, the, just the fact that we've said, hey, he's an important player to our squad and we're not going to let you lowball him very much like what we're doing with um, Aston Villa and Emil Smith-Rowe. Of course, Shaka will leave, Smith-Rowe will not. But it's just, I'm glad that we've finally gotten to a place where we are you know, secure enough in our transfer policy that we can demand fees for players that are actually not highway robbery. And also yeah. we've gotten, mm. yeah. Yeah, no, I was... I was um saying this on the show with Daniel the other day, the main show, that I, I, I just, overall, I am quite impressed with Arsenal's transfer yeah. policy so far. I think that we've identified some really good sort of targets. Um, seem to be wise with the sales other than the Mavropanos deal, which is absolutely appalling. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, yeah, I, I won't go into that, but I'm really pissed off with Was that. Was it five million um, three after yeah. a year? Yeah. Yeah. So he could have an, a second brilliant season in Bundes in the Bundesliga. Presumably his yeah. price will be even higher. He could be like a twenty twenty five million pound player then, and then they've already got him for five mil. Yep. Next year, yeah. that is dreadful. Yeah. Really poor. I hope it's, it's not a sign of things to come well. in terms yeah. of sales. Like, yeah. Uh, well, hey, they're paying three hundred and thirty k for the loan, so you know we're really really yeah. stripping them of all their worth, right? Raking uh, it in. Well done, Eddie. We, we get to we get to play oh. pay Kieran Tierney's new wages for three weeks. <laughs> yeah, like in terms of the incomings, I'm I'm pleased with um, the Lokonga yeah. reports again. White, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we'll get Madison, but I like the links. I like that yeah. we're looking at that sort of profile. Um, I mean, there is a new report I um, think, per Chris Wheatley that um, Arsenal can now afford James Madison. That we we have mm. the funds to do it, so yeah. yeah, it is strange that we have these th- funds. I, well, well remember we like did the thing from. where we paid back our massive loan to the Bank of London and our massive loan to Cronky mm. because, of course, he doesn't give us money; he just loans it. And then um, we've now taken like more money than we took from the Bank of London. We've taken from uh, Barclays. Uh, yeah. To now, yeah. Yeah. So you 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 sense there's something yeah, dodgy we're, going on yeah, behind we, the scenes. We, we, Maybe Daniel X just slipped a little donation. Ooh, if he can't buy yeah, the club, he'll yeah, at least help yeah. us. Imagine. I mean, maybe our protesting, maybe our protesting worked, Alfie. Maybe that's that's it. The Cronkies are now different oh, people. They've, they've reformed entirely. Our appearance. <laughs> that, or maybe they're trying to make. They were too scared by Rob Worthington and Alf, Alfie Alfie <laughs> yeah. Coleshaw's appearance yeah. at the Emirates with. Um, well, wasn't Charlie Maywood there as well? Yeah, yeah. Taking some class yeah. photos. Well Shout done, Charlie, yeah. for that. Um, don't forget about Gaurav. What a guy! <laughs> oh, Gaurav. Um, My God, what a hero. 
Um, so in terms of a um, bit more of Euros chat, I guess. Uh, so the round of 16 starts tomorrow. Uh, any games that you guys are specifically looking forward to other than England, Germany? Every single one of them. Literally I'm all watching of them. every game. I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> I missed it. Yeah. Even even Sweden, Ukraine. Like uh, yes, even Sweden, Ukraine. Oh, even Sweden, Ukraine. Got a, got a rep for the boy Russ Kennerly. Can't forget about Isaac and Alexander yeah, Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, got to got to support your the editor for the other site that we write for. There are Rob. a few good games actually. Yeah. Um, mm. Sweden also Croatia, Spain. Yeah, so, that would be a fun. good game. Belgium, Portugal will be amazing. Croatia, Spain will be the slowest game in the tournament. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, now, there are a bunch of games that I think we're all very excited for, but what I'm glad what they figure how to do is um, modulate the scheduling again because the mm. last week of group stages where they just said, hey, let's have all the games at the same time again. So you can... They for, do, yeah, but they yeah, always do that. that. And, no, and, they always yeah. do that for tournaments. It was, no, it, yeah. I, I think they have to do that because they can't it's have so they like can an advantage. Yeah, so they can consolidate it into the schedule. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Mm, it's like yeah. how all end of season like leagues all look get played at the same yeah, time. We'll and the also same with time. um what i don't understand is why they don't do it with like the champions league and europa league matches like hey you know you have a completely open time slot three hours before kickoff like how in the early stages they'll do the for me it's what 12 30 and three but it's not that for you guys mm. um but those will be the two kickoff times and then they're just like hey nope as soon as we get to the knockout stages where all of the good teams are playing each other let's have both games at three or 8 p.m then for you guys but yeah uh sorry guys due to alfie's extremely busy life uh we had to just cut out the recording for a second but we're back now um yeah he is a monumental twat uh but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll carry on anyway um all right we're just gonna do one final little section before we move on to spotlights and close the show uh we'll just go around the room i guess alfie um you're not going to go first because you've caused us major stress mac one surprise and sort of impressive surprise and one sort of underwhelming surprise so far from the euros for you Alrighty. um i think let's start underwhelming because that's a bit easier underwhelming surprise turkey mm. oh my word um I think a lot of people kind of had them pinned as, you know, the dark horse coming into the tournament. Um, they had a really good qualifying run. They, you know, very just a very good team all around. Uh, reliable forwards, good wingers. Hakan Chalanoglu, who just made a very controversial move to Inter Milan. Oh, yeah. But also, you know, a st- stable defenders. They've, they've done well, effectively. Um, mm. And then they've come to the big stage and absolutely flubbed it. Just poor. Um, yeah. I think in terms of teams that really surprised me that I loved watching, um, a you know Dominic Shaboshlai free Hungary, yeah, I was going to say them performed hmm. incredibly well against um, against all three of their opponents. Frankly, just shut them down, created good chances. Uh, they have about eight players named either Salai or Shalai, so yeah, you know the commentators just had a field day with that one, but. Um, yeah, generally, I really enjoyed watching Hungary, and I think with the potential addition of Shabashla in the future, it could be a they could be a team to watch. Um, obviously, their you know main striker uh, Adam Salai is getting very old, but um, mm. 
genuinely, I think I, I had a lot of fun with Hungary and in, you know, the supposed group of death, they came out looking better than about half of the teams that qualified for the knockout round. So yeah, <laughs> that's my, that's my little lineup. Yeah, I agree with with the Hungary one. I think that they were really interesting. Well, they didn't play very good football, you know. They sat in and no, of course not. But uh, that moment where uh, who was it? I can't remember the name of the left back. Uh, but he, when he jumped uh, over Viola. and scared, yeah, Viola, that's it. Viola. Uh, and he cut the uh, scared the uh, the journalist <laughs> yes. to death by smashing her jokes. laptop. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was jokes. I mean, um, yeah, not shout out yeah. Hungary for other reasons. Obviously, the whole yeah. Germany controversy and all mm. of the ridiculousness they've got going on over there with their laws. You know, not a fan, but shout yeah. out Hungary. I mean, the only reason man. they had a full stadium was basically because they're run by a fascist dictator. Which, yeah. <laughs> a fascist dictator, which sucks and has distributed vaccines to 98% of the country. Like, they, yeah, <laughs> everyone in that stadium was vaccinated, which I think is wild. But, mm. yeah. Amen. It, I think that there's a capacity crowd for Wembley, isn't there, though? For the. No, uh, I don't think it's going to be capacity. I think it's going to be like. 60,000. Yeah, something like that. So that's quite a lot. Yeah, so that's 60 say, out of 90. So two thirds full. Jesus, I didn't know Wembley was 90,000. Yeah. So they, right, still, well. they can maintain social yeah. distancing in the stadium yeah. with that. That's wild. All right. Well, 60,000 fans at Wembley. Very excited. One thing they'll make sure to do is pack out like the club level club section. Level, yeah. Oh, of course. Uh, so that'll be completely full on the bottom and lower tier. Sorry, the upper and lower will still be empty. So yeah. Mm. Um, that'd be great. Alfie, what about you? What are your Euro uh, take so far? So I agree with Turkey. I was hearing a lot about them. Um, that all, Tom Garrett guy. Yeah. yeah. And then they were very disappointed. I think they were, they were pretty terrible. I mean, yeah. they, they earned what they earned zero points. They lost all three games, <laughs> and they, they were they bad did in not, all three yeah. games. They lost um, to Wales. Says it the Wales they, performance in particular was dreadful. Yeah, Wales qualified. Um, man, this is all I'm saying. Yeah, they. But I'm going to go with someone different. I've been disappointed with Portugal. Yeah, same. Ooh, same. Um, Good because you know, th- look at their squad, and I know they won the last tournament, but we all know that was a bit of a fluke, and they sort of scraped their way through, and they were a very pragmatic, boring side. I was thinking, looking at their squad, it's so talented; they should be one of the better teams. And I thought maybe um, they'd change their approach a bit, and they'd be a bit more expressive. Um, and they just haven't been. I think they've been; they've maintained their really cautious approach. They scraped past Hungary in not convincing style with three late goals. Um, they were very bad against Germany, extremely open defensively. And then mm. uh, against France, they weren't impressive. Um, I know they, they got the, the draw, which they needed, but they weren't impressive. And I've just been a bit disappointed with the way they've played in terms of the, the players they've got. And, and I just think partially it's down to the coach and being insistent on playing uh, Danilo and Carvalho, two ball winners, not yeah, two, yeah. no ball progression in that team to get the ball to the better players, the likes of you know Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, Jota, Ronaldo. So yeah, I've been disappointed with Portugal. In terms of surprise, I don't think there's been many. I mean, obviously you can look at Hungary. Um, I think Sweden are possibly a good shout, just the fact yeah, they won yeah. that group. Yeah, they've been um, good. Very... Again, another very defensive approach that had basically none of the ball. 
but um, they were, they were a little bit lucky against Spain to come out with that with with something. But I think they were pretty decent in the second half against Slovakia and then against Poland again. All right, I wouldn't say they they were brilliant, but to win that group anyway. Um, looking through the rest of it. No major surprises. I thought Denmark were very good, and I think we have to give them a shout yeah. because of the circumstances they were in to sort yeah. of recover that situation. They were very unlucky against Finland in terms of the actual game. Like Finland had one shot and they dominated. They dominate. They were brilliant in the first half against Belgium, and weren't we? Like they were still decent in the second half, and then they were brilliant against Russia. So maybe Denmark deserve a shout out as well. I'd say. Fair. Yeah, I'd agree. And yeah, as you say, just for their whole situation, I have so much mm. respect for that team, how they've uh, come back fighting. Uh, Absolutely. And I'm sure that uh, their the stadium will be bouncing once again uh, as they take on, is it Wales they take on this weekend? I think it is Wales. Yes, that is, yeah. it's that is a winnable tie as well. Oh, it's in Amsterdam, is it? Oh, yeah. shame it's not in Copenhagen. Uh, but still, hope uh, hope Denmark win because it yeah. would be a really good story if they go far into this tournament. I mean, I think uh, they're, the, they're the first game of the knockout stages, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I think for me, uh, my sort of underwhelming team so far have been France. Uh, I know mm. they don't really need to get out of first gear to beat their opponent, but uh, you know they've got such brilliant players, and yeah, the yeah it's Deschamps sort of similar to Southgate in a way, is quite pragmatic. Uh, yeah. And, you know, starting Lucas Hernandez and uh, Jules Koundé right back and left back the other day was just so, so boring. Uh, mm. You know, look at how well Luke, uh, Lucas Hernandez's brother, Teo Hernandez, did at AC Milan last season as sort of an attacking fullback and you could have him, but instead he chooses the centre-back who had a pretty dreadful season for Bayern. Um so yeah, I think that France will. I still think they'll win the Euros. I think they'll take it up a gear in the knockouts. But yeah, I don't think they've been great in the groups, alongside numerous top teams. Uh, and then sort of wouldn't say well, perhaps they have surprised me just how good they've been. Uh, the Italians, I think they've they've been mm. really really impressive. I know that the caliber of p- opponent they've faced hasn't been that strong, but um, they're still. Uh, Still played some really, really impressive football. I thought Marco Verratti was sensational against Wales. Um, So, yeah. Well, I'm quarter Italian, so even (laughs) if they don't win it, I would like Um, the Italians to win it. And they've been a pleasure to watch. Yeah, they have been. Actually, one more shout out. This team didn't surprise me in any way, but it's just they were were very good to watch, and that's the Dutch. Yes, they were fun. And I think they've got a a good run. Mm. Yeah, playing a back very good uh, three instead of the four three three that you know mm. the Dutch created. Shout Alan Smith on FIFA. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there I heard they like Clive Tilsley was saying in commentary like they the fans were flying banners over stadium saying play for or over their training ground saying play four three three, but he's insisted on oh. in playing the three five two. Um, it's working. And it's worked. Yeah, yeah. Donny Malin has been good. amazing for them yeah. as well. He's such mm. a good little player. And my favorite bit, by the way, about them is that they've just stuck Vout Veghorst in the center, and mm. teams go, mm. "Holy shit! It's a six foot six target man." When they lump anything into the box, it's mm. you know everyone's like, "All right, moth to a flame, let's go, Mark Veghorst," and it mm. leaves everyone else open. Um, mm. 
he, he doesn't did, do yeah. anything for the side. He hasn't scored, but he's no, just... No, he did. He oh, scored oh, against no, he did score. You're um, right. Ukraine. You're right. Yes, you're yeah. right. Mm. But he is, for most of the game, a six foot six distraction to let all of their shorter, like technically brilliant players be technically brilliant in the box. And I think it's hilarious. Um, did you see um, Clive Tilsey's reaction to the replay? Yes, he thought it was. He thought it yeah. was a goal. He thought it was like no, live. He it was another exactly identical trance. Yeah. So uh, did I though, but only because of his commentary. Yeah, yeah. It was hilarious. And That's yeah. been good. Um, On France as well. One quick note: two things. Um, first off, their only good game they were lights out against Germany. Um, yeah, and it was that. That I think is probably was probably my favorite game of the group stage, just because. It was two teams with incredible kind of tactical nous. It was really the first first and only game where it was like, all right, these are two true heavyweights squaring off. And it almost felt like a boxing match, just kind of testing each other, probing. Like both teams content to play, patient, in possession, like brilliant technically and just looking for those openings. Um, but Teo Hernandez specifically, I think, should get more credit because – I'm not sure how many people remember this. He was Milan's top scorer two seasons ago. Not last season, but the season mm. before. Wow. He scored like nine goals. And I think Ibrahimovic coming in in January got eight. Um, and he, he topped the charts, which I think is hilarious. But no. Um, <laughs> I, I love your Italy shout, Alf, uh, because they're, Come frankly, on. they're my pick to win it all. Um, I was really... Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit of a shaky shout. But I think for the past two international tournaments they've had a good team that has put nothing together like they weren't at 2018 world cup yeah. were they i mean nah. 2018 world cup uh shoot didn't they get uh eliminated like in the, either in the group stage or not qualified no i don't think they, they qualified qualify. yeah that's my point right like this isn't it mm. this is an italy team who had so many young wonder kids at the time and who had this kind of historic backline, but just could not for the life of them put everything together. And they didn't qualify. They were eliminated, actually, I think, by Turkey, um, which is mm. fun to see where that's gone now. But, mm. you know, it's a couple of years later, and I don't know, they've just, they are, I think, out of all the teams I've seen, the most cohesive. And, you know, mm. and it's because they've got the best coach in yeah. international football, really. And any team yeah. that can Apart sing a national anthem like that as well. Oh, mm. it just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way they belt it out. Yeah. It, it's Italia. Exactly. Oh, and how suave does Roberto Dele. Mancini look with his oh. sort of sky blue jacket mm. or. He's beautiful as well. Yeah. Over the shoulder. Wow, what a guy. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Anyway. Rob, you're to, uh, or, wait, Rob, you're picked to win it. I think Alfie said France. No, I said France. Oh, did you? Uh, I think France will grind it out. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah. I, I want Italy or England. Obviously. Controversy. All right. On to spotlight. Yeah. On to spotlight. Yeah. Um, as the guest, do you want to go first, Alfie? I know you've got something to pitch, don't you? Well, um, we love you, Arsenal. We are launching our YouTube channel because we're like, we might as well. We want to extend onto all platforms, build the brand. So, yeah, watch out for that. And I might do a video on Ben White, an in-depth one. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. yeah. How very nice how very TIFO football of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's you guys... the sort of standard to expect. Absolutely. <laughs> we obviously won't be able to manage the animations, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're good, aren't they? Well, yeah, you guys can start putting some 
faces to our names, which uh, is good for, I guess, so you can get to know us a bit more, you listeners. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll all sort of hopefully feature on that YouTube channel doing our own little things and then some things all together. Yeah, it should be a good one. Uh, and yeah, do let us know what you would like to see on there in terms of content as well. Um, mm. Mac, your spotlight? I, I've had a couple. I've been debating. I think the single player who I, I always like to pick, you know, players who I've never heard of to then champion. Mm. Um, the player who really impressed me is actually from Denmark. Uh, Mikkel Damsgaard, the Sampdoria player. Oh, my goodness. Mm. He was electric to watch, um, especially in the second two, like the second and third games for Denmark. Genuinely sensational. He's a left winger. Um, there's a reason you've never heard of him. But he was kind of the player brought into the squad to replace Christian Eriksen. And he did a fantastic job. Um, he, you know, just these repeated, he would pick up the left half space, drive. He had a ridiculous goal against Russia, I think was their last opponent. Just perfect curled ball into the top corner. But um, yeah, he's been really fun to watch. I think, you know, on the spectrum of Euro wonder kids, he's flown completely under the radar for most people. Um not saying I'd want to see Arsenal sign him or anything, but it's just I've had I've had a lot of joy watching this Denmark side succeed, and he's been a big element as to why they've been successful. So yeah, definitely a big fan there. Yeah, but the yeah. the less said about his hairline, the better. I oh think. yeah, it's it's, <laughs> uh, it's dangerous. I like how you mentioned Arsenal in that because have you seen how that Dan Critchlow guy yes. on uh, Twitter like every time a player scores, he goes. Arsenal should sign this player. Arsenal <laughs> should sign this player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that is a very Arsenal fan thing to do. And all fans, really. Um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, Denmark were really fun to watch against Russia the other night. And uh, that stadium was bouncing in Copenhagen. It was so nice to see. Uh, and good for them. Good for them. Um, okay, well, I think that's... All for this week. Thanks for joining us for the 14th mm. installment of the Extra Canon podcast. Cheers to our guest, Alfie. Thanks for joining us. No problem. I'll be back, I'm sure, at some point. Yeah, yeah. I hope you are. And um, Mac, pleasure speaking to you as, as always. always. to you. Yeah. And so, there we go. I've been your host, Rob Worthington. Please do like, share this podcast, tell your mum and dad about it if you really want to. I do think it's that good. I mean, you should be telling everyone about it, you know, even if you just... Should change what, what, all your social media pages to yep. the Extra Canon Podcast fan page. What I recommend in your is that you, you go mm. on a date and you just listen to it while you're on the yeah. date and mm. don't just talk don't to your speak. date. Yeah, yeah, just just laugh at us whilst you're there. Um, um, alternatively, not be- that will secure see everything. What you could do, yeah. you could talk to the date, you know, seduce her with your incredible personality, and then the car ride home, Arsenal Cannon Podcast. Get, oh, get into yes. the bedroom, Extra oh, Cannon Podcast. Decent alternative. It is, yeah. you know, it's, it's a two-for-one <laughs> special. It's perfect ambiance. I don't have experience with it, but, Thanks. you know, listening to us, what could be better? yeah okay well thanks for joining us see you next week goodbye bye